Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome to the New York Times podcast, your awkward encounter with an ex during the unexpectedly emotional processional music at your friend's wedding of music news and criticism. I'm your host, John Caramonica. This is a great delivery. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Audio professional. Hey, hey. Every kiss is a door. Can I knock on yours? Can we knock a little more? If the touch is a key. Are you guys getting enough brass out of what we were just listening to? Are you getting enough bump in your horns or horns in your bump? That is Love So Soft by Kelly Clarkson. And there's a single from the new Kelly Clarkson album, which is called Meaning of Life. It's coming out next week. And Karen Gans, pop music editor with Attitude. Thank you. Profiled her for Arts and Leisure, which is out now. Go cop that. We don't want to just talk about Kelly this week, though. Because last week, Pink put out a record. It's called Beautiful Trauma. And Joe Coscarelli, pop music reporter with attitude. Actually, not quite as much attitude, to be fair. No, he keeps he, it on the low. Well, it's there, but he just keeps it on the he's low. He's a good reporter. Yeah, he keeps it on the low. <laughs> Joe profiled Pink. That's true. So, Kelly Clarkson and Pink have a lot of things in common. A lot, I think. Yeah. Do you think so, Karen? I, I do. I feel like when I was reading your story this morning, I thought... If we control the, the control names. F Kelly yeah, Clarkson yeah. and just replace it all with pink, the story makes sense. Yes. Like with, you know, not the label drama, et cetera. We'll get into all that. But just the a lot of the descriptions of their careers and their strengths and what people like about them, I think it all tracks. And also, I think in terms of the music that they make, I would never sort of mistake a Kelly Clarkson song for a pink song. But in terms of their relationship to genre, I think in terms of kind of like not being very Puritan about genre, having a root in soul music, like traditional soul singing, but not being beholden to it. They both kind of coming from similar places. Yeah, they both have very big voices and can do a lot with them, and they both are very outspoken. And now I know that Kelly curses probably just as much as Pink does. <laughs> just not on record. <laughs> no, she's pretty clean in no, the songs. Nowhere's Pink is. Yeah. Is so, yeah, I was a little surprised. <laughs> all over this record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah wild cursing on this Pink album. Yeah. So let's start with Kelly and the experience with Kelly, and then I'll talk about Pink and the experience with Pink, and then we'll kind of talk about the moment in pop music where they have both kind of arrived at. Because, like Joe, like you said, there's a lot of commonality, and I think they are both at fairly similar places in their career, although they've arrived at them in slightly different ways. And they're both survivors, like in this Very moment so. where there aren't that many, you know, straight-ahead 
pop singers like them, especially women who haven't sort of moved either into their like auteur phase or like, you know, gone deeper into genre. Mm -hmm. Like they're the adult contemporary white women of pop. And in a strange way, we could have actually, if we had not talked about Shania last week, in a weird way, we probably could have included Shania in this conversation this week. Although the genre is different, the sort of career moment is actually not dissimilar. And the kind of resolution that Shania tried to achieve on this latest record is not dissimilar from the resolution that both Kelly and Pink are trying to, although I think more Kelly. Pink feels more like a Pink record. Kelly feels more like a position statement. I think that's true. So let's start with that. You went to Hendersonville, Tennessee. What's really good in Hendersonville, Tennessee? That's just where rich Nashville people live, right? Um, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think rich Nashville okay. people live many places. That's true. I've, Kelly, I've been to other places. That's yeah. very Franklin. Yes, Franklin. Yeah. I've definitely been to Franklin. There were all different types of houses on the way to uh, Kelly's house. Okay, and I will say that the— Economically mixed Nashville. I was, and she excerpt. has a, a very nice house. <laughs> yes. And that uh, the Uber driver or the Lyft driver was very excited to hear that she lived there. Do you not rent cars? No. You just Uber everywhere? Is this going on the podcast? Yes. <laughs> people want to know. Yeah, people want to know. Sometimes I rent cars, but there was an event at her house that's in my story Thursday night, yes. and I knew there was going to be like 200 people there, and I thought driving uh, there wouldn't be the, the best decision. And you wanted to drink. Oh! Uh, I had, I had no, just one drink. <laughs> I'm just I, I was on a uh, jury duty this week, and one of the questions was, do you, do you drink and do you smoke? Oh, I thought it was going to be like, did you drink last week? <laughs> <laughs> no. And I, I said I drink a normal amount, and the defense attorney came back to me to ask what a normal amount is. Wow. But anyway, back to Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> you said I drink a Kelly Clarkson amount, yeah. to be fair. Kelly Clarkson tells me she does not drink often, that she really is not a drinker. She had like Although a glass did, of red wine. But in your story. Well, she had a glass of red yes. wine at this event. And seemed, I'm not going to say wasted, but tipsy. Yeah. Loose. Loose. Loosey-goosey. Uh, but this is actually, I mean, this is her. She's very, very open. She really has never hidden anything from anyone. I mean, even when people were criticizing her weight or speculating she might be gay, she answered every single one of those questions head on. She was never evasive. And so before we talk about this particular moment, you mentioned all the sort of time period where she's been candid. But let's talk about the context of that. So in 2002, I believe, Kelly Clarkson won American Idol. That's correct. This is the first season of American Idol. And as you point out in your piece, this is before American Idol becomes cliche, before the path towards winning American Idol becomes cliche, before you have to be like adulty bro who plays an acoustic guitar to win the damn thing. Yes, but it's also before we we knew that American Idol could actually have consequences for the music industry. Yes. You know, she really went on this show as a lark. She had spent a lot of time trying to become a singer. She was a waitress, I believe, she, at Yeah, that she time. studied opera in high school so that she could go to a music program. And then once she got into a couple of them, she was like, forget it. I'm going to go and tour with a band and try to make it in L.A. Her apartment in L.A. burned down. She returned to Texas, where she's from. She's waitressing. Somebody tells her to audition for the show. She wins. Is she, like is she yeah. the most successful? Or Carrie I think Carrie Underwood. Underwood. Carrie Underwood, Underwood might be. Okay. Yeah. Simon Gallup. But, but she's up, but she's he up was right. there. She's, yeah, she's top one of the two. top top. If you sort of factor in, I think, Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson doesn't have the record sales. Not the though, record sales, the, yeah. but just like the overall career. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think certainly top three. But Jennifer Hudson didn't win, right? No. No. So no, no. she's the, the second Jennifer, most successful Yeah, but American she won an Idol Oscar. Winner. Like, <laughs> I mean, no shots to American Idol, right. but like. Anyway, so, so Kelly. Karen, you'll remember like very early in Kelly Clarkson's career, there was this tension between contemporary and classic. She has a very classic voice. She has a big, what we think of as like a big 60s soul voice, really. And she was making sort of like pop R&B in the very early phases of her career. Yes. Before she really blew up. 
and the song where she blew up, obviously, since you've been gone. That's that giant sort of anthem, phase two. Big notes. Yes. And the record label she was on RCA for all these years discovered a, a winning formula. Yes. Which is you could put her in a pop rock format, make the songs extremely emotional because Kelly is very vulnerable and very good at communicating emotion. You really believe every single word she mm-hmm. says. And, I and think, sells it with volume, not yes. just with feeling, but with volume. Totally. Very powerful performances in every sense of the word. And she does this from 2003 to 2015 during which time she made six studio albums and one Christmas album. And the Christmas album, she has said now that is her favorite record because it's the only one... It's it's, it is well known that John likes Christmas music, but yes, beyond but that, I, I don't like. Yes, I'm not indiscriminate. You don't like bad Christmas. Yeah, music. I like fire Christmas music. Well, but Kelly <laughs> loved her Christmas music because she said that was the only time that she that the label just did not care what it sounded like. It could be any genre, it could be any style, it could be any song, and she felt very free. And this actually did not make it into the story because I ran out of space. But she thought that that was going to be the last album on her contract. It was supposed to be the last album on her contract, but somebody messed up some paperwork and during her renegotiation, and she had already celebrated the fact that it was the last album of her contract when she found out it wasn't. Oh my. And I asked her how she handled that and she said that she had to put it in the let it go bag or else she was going to lose her mind. Wow. So Kelly Clarkson was not happy at RCA and she was ready to go. So she made another album, 2015's Piece by Piece, and that was the final album. And let's talk about not the peak RCA period, which which features quite a few successful big records. Many let's talk about records. the 2010s. Okay. It's sort of diminishing returns in that style for Kelly. Well, I mean, that sound and that style was a real 2000 to 2009 yes. style. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love to bring her up, but I'm going to do it again. Ashley Simpson, my hey, girl. <laughs> coming soon. Don't worry, don't <laughs> worry, listeners. We, got you guys. Yeah, we, we haven't got forgotten you. you. It's coming. But, also, you know. send your questions because I'm collecting questions. For the Ashley Simpson yes. podcast? Yeah, yeah, I'm just collecting okay. questions. Man, I'm preparing a monologue. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so get ready. It's going to be four hours I'm preparing long. a jig. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. That was good, Joe. But anyway, that, that style peaked during that time. And I mean, Kelly was really at the top of her game at the top of that style. Less popular in 2011, I believe. Yeah. And 2015 when this her last This is also a album. Dr. Luke era, right, of pop music. And it this is. This is peak sort of Dr. Luke and Max Martin on the radio. And these were some of the people behind Kelly's big singles. Absolutely. Good point, Joe. Yes. And so Kelly Clarkson is now off her old label and she's back on a new label. Yes. And the story that you tell in the piece is I thought interesting about how she sort of arrived at where she is. Maybe you can re-share, I will summarize extremely re-share quickly. it with the people. Yeah. So while Kelly was still under contract, she met John Esposito, who's the head of Warner Nashville. Shouts to Espo. Very nice guy. Randomly met him at a, a vacation, like a, a mutual friends vacation in Ireland. She was struck by him because there was some sort of a band. They stood up and they were like, does anybody want to sing? And he sang Bruce Springsteen songs in a passionate manner that actually blew Kelly Clarkson away. They ended up having a conversation, and years later, uh, they reconnected because Warner Nashville, uh, obviously she lives in Nashville. Yes. Kelly's husband is Brandon Blackstock. He's a big music manager as well as her manager. Son he manages of Nar- Son of Narvel. Correct. He manages Blake Shelton. Blake is an Long Espo word. person. Mm-hmm. And John Esposito suggested that she connect with people that he had been friendly with, Julie Greenwald and Craig Coleman at Atlantic, because he just thought that they would understand her vibe. She took one meeting with them and was like, these people completely understand what I want to do. I'm going with it. Mm -hmm. And now she is on Atlantic Records. Can we just have a brief detour here? We can. What's up with the Kelly Clarkson country record? 
She says she would still make it, but that she just wasn't feeling it right now. She's like, that's just, just not the mode she's in. Okay, but she did talk about it. She, it's not off the table. Okay. Is this yeah. the detox of American Idol universe? Yeah, kind is, of. Is it, is it on a shelf somewhere? Or no, no, I think no, no, no. I don't think she's made it yet. I think she, she made will. a song. Okay. Didn't she have a song at some point? Well, she did a, a duet with Jason Aldean. Yes. That was very beautiful. And obviously, like any number of live duets, she has some great live duets with Reba. Yeah. Some no, Kelly stuff. really, I mean, they are, she likes country. Next time you talk to her, just let her know that yeah, I remain kidding. interested in the Kelly Clarkson. I, I don't know that we'll be in touch forever, but just, it okay. was nice If anyone's interview. in yeah. touch with Kelly Clarkson, <laughs> let her know I remain interested in the Kelly Clarkson country record. Okay. Circling back, though. Yes. Let's talk about what's happening on this album. Okay. Well, I, Besides think, the, I think you and I might disagree about what's happening I don't on know this why album. You would, I don't know why you would think that. <laughs> During the pre-interview, I think yeah. it was revealed that John and I don't agree. I do my own pre-interview. Yeah. It's true. Um, so apart from the... Post Megan Trainer lead single. All right, so let me just backtrack for a okay. second here. <laughs> All right, as, in, as the neutral party yeah. here, I will say the song we went in on reminds me of Megan Trainer as well. Okay. Obviously, Megan Trainer doesn't have half the voice that Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, has. I'm not uh, suggesting. I'm gonna, let me otherwise. backtrack just oh. five steps backwards. I would like to contextualize Unless you're going to backtrack to the 1950s. Okay. <laughs> Listeners, do you see what I'm putting up with right now? Send, please send the case me. for Kelly Clarkson begins now. Send, send me your prayers. Yeah. So <laughs> Kelly wanted to make a record in the vein of the records that she loved as a child. Mm-hmm. She liked soul records. Aretha Franklin is her hero. And it's not just the voice, but it was the way she communicated emotion and vulnerability, much the way that she does, is what she admired about Aretha. She and Craig Coleman, who executive produced the album with her, set out to make a soul record in the spirit of a 60s soul record, but not Sonics or Emotion, really. They wanted it to be modern experience. So that first song you heard, Love So Soft, was the first volley of that. I think you guys are saying, it reminds you of Megan Trainer. I will just say that you were the only people who ever even referenced Megan Trainer, and you've kind of, it's rubbed <laughs> off on me. And I are referenced being, her. That can't be real. Yes. People don't talk about Megan Trainer the way the you people, guys though? do. I talk to rock <laughs> critics, guys. <laughs> Wait, you mean like people in the? You mean specifically well, in regards Meghan to this Trainor, song? No or you offense mean in to the her. I, you mean in the world? She's sort of a one-hit she's, wonder. She's not had a huge impact. I know you disagree. I, she's a one-idea wonder. Yeah. she's like a three-hit wonder. When was her last song? I don't. I'm not. Google it. Do you see me? I'm, I'm not advocating for Megan Trainer. I know. I think you're, we're using her as shorthand because we don't know. There aren't a lot of white women right now singing soul in this vein. Which is an interesting thing to be talking okay. about. Okay, that's podcast. fine. We can talk about that. So the the Kelly Clarkson song sounds a little like Duffy, is what you're yes. saying. <laughs> you know what? Shouts to Duffy. I'll take that. Shouts to Duffy, yeah, Duffy, which I, I reviewed. I, miss, for, I, I think I reviewed that for Rolling Stone. I think I reviewed that for Rolling Stone. Oh damn! <laughs> it's possible we both did. Damn. Yeah. Um. Okay. <laughs> We're, we're going to start fighting soon. Let's yeah. just talk about the record overall. Whether or not that song sounds like Megan Trainor. I mean, like, you be the judge, just side by side. It's like a meme. You'd be, Someone else be the judge. Somebody's going to post a Twitter Is it poll. like a silver and blue dress or like a pink and gray dress? Like, I don't know. It's one of the two. That's not correct. But it is not. I will say this. Having, I know the record is not out yet at the time of the release of this podcast. Yes. But we have heard the record. And I will, I will say that much of the record does not sound like that song. So can you talk a little bit about the bigger picture of what what the record is actually sounding like? I would say, like, that's a good first single to represent the album. I mean, I think there's different flavors of this. So there are a couple of ballads. There are a couple of other songs. I mean, the centerpiece of the record is a song called Whole, Whole Lot of Woman, mm-hmm. which Kelly's very yes. proud of, because it's sort of like the mission statement, which is basically, I'm brassy, I'm going to say what I want, I'm financially secure, I look however I want to look, deal with it. 
I thought that was a better representation of that musical idea than the single. Yeah, I hope personally. that that's a single. Yeah, I thought I thought like if I, if I were holding those two together, the side by side, and saying like they're sort of similar musically, I felt like that was a better execution of that idea. All right, um, you're the music. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just the editor with despite, attitude. Despite. <laughs> Hi, haters. <laughs> um, okay. Now, there are some ballads. There is at least one country-ish song on this record. Right? Yes, yes, you can okay. say that. I also felt like towards the end of the album, there feels like a lot of like gesticulating on this record. There's a lot of like, ah, like a lot happening. And especially in the videos, a lot happening. But I felt like the record gets calmer towards the end. And I actually, that's where the Kelly Clarkson that I'm very partial to kind of comes out. Like, say, the Kelly Clarkson of, oh, I don't know, Gucci Mane and Keisha Kaor's wedding processional song, A Moment Like This. And we're then not, let's play. We're, uh, no, we're definitely not going to play about like this. Let yeah, Kelly gotta, live. Play. No, this, a, yeah. this record cooks. Are yeah. you kidding me? All right. We're definitely playing a moment like Do this. Do it. What if I told you it was all meant to be? Would you believe me? Would you Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like expanding capacity for sustainable aviation fuel and biodiesel in Washington state and bringing massive new infrastructure online in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My name is Thomas Gibbonsneff. I'm a journalist at the New York Times. I served in the Marine Corps as an infantryman. When it comes to reporting on the front line, a lot of the same basics are at play. Uh, you're looking at the map of where you're going. If you're on a paved road, field roads, you know, is there a hospital nearby? Is your body armor affixed with the first aid kit? Does everyone know where that first aid kit is? We arrive into a, a military position. I get out of the car. I look at my watch. You know, I set a timer. No more than an hour. I'm listening for drones, jets, check in with the team. Is everyone comfortable? And if they are, then we proceed. Frontline reporting is dangerous, but I think nothing is more important than talking to the people involved, you know, hearing their stories and being able to connect that with people thousands of miles away. Anything that can make something like this more personal, I think is well worth the risk. New York Times subscribers make it possible for us to keep doing this vital coverage. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do that at nytimes.com slash subscribe. A moment like 
Okay, so I like that song. Karen, do you not like a moment No, no, like I this? like it. It's just like that was her American Idol coronation song. Hell yeah. I feel like Kelly's had a lot more creative agency since then. I, I don't we're disagree. Robbing I her. don't disagree, but doesn't make that song any less of a banger. It's a great song. Kelly is a great balladeer. <laughs> but here's, okay, so this is my thinking, right, with Kelly, especially after listening to this album. Kelly, to me, has one of the signature voices in pop of the last 15 years. Yes. Um. And I feel like a record like this, and to be fair, some of her earlier records, they do a lot around her, but they don't enhance her. And I would like to see less being done around her. I think of Kelly. So you think there's too much production on this record? Way, too, much, too much sound? Way too much. All right. I, I think of Kelly, I think of how does an Adele record sound? How does a Sam Smith record sound? They sound largely quiet. And... When I think of what Kelly does, now now Kelly has a more, I would say, a more dynamic voice than either Adele or Sam Smith. I agree. But I do think it's the size of it is is roughly similar. And so I would like to see less being done. To me, I'd like to see a voice record. I don't want to say a pure ballad record, but something that has gentle tempo, what they do with Sam or Adele. That, to me, would actually bring out the most, in, I think, in Kelly. Well, it's interesting because I was thinking a lot about Amy Winehouse obviously mm-hmm. listened to this record, and I'd asked her, I said, do you think that things like Mark Ronson's production style and all those kinds of records have sort of primed the pump where like a modern audience is will be more receptive to a soul record? She said, oh, of course, absolutely. So I started listening to the Amy Winehouse record, and they're definitely like, there's plenty of instrumentation, but it does kind of get out of the way mm-hmm. a bit more. And also Amy Winehouse's voice is so particular. It's, yeah. you know, like the tone and the tenor of it. It kind of cuts pitch. through. Yeah, yeah, whereas Kelly's is not, it's a bigger... But it's not quite that distinct. So, I mean, like, tonally distinct. Yeah. Well, I think she sounds really great on this record. That's another thing I wanted to point out is that she is like, yeah, people know I can sing, but they don't know I can really sing. Because, you know, anthems and pop rock, there's just so much of a dynamic range. And she's like, I, the number one goal for this record was to show people I can sing. I think she does. I think when you can hear her singing... You can tell she can sing. But it's a very John Caramonica thing to say. True story. (laughs) You mean a very true thing? Yes, you're totally right. It's interesting (laughs) that you mentioned the sort of like calming down of the record because I think, you know, to sort of prognosticate on how this record might perform in this marketplace, like those are the songs where she's going to, those are her bread and butter at this point. I think the ballads are going to be on in every Mm -hmm. Dwayne Reed and uh, every dentist's office. I don't mean these as shots. I mean like adult contemporary, Mm -hmm. a radio format Mm -hmm. and breakaway and, you know, Kelly, the sort of classic Kelly songs that have, that have been, in rotation that on end those up being stations. Timeless, the yeah, for 10 years, yeah. I think she she needs more of those because I don't know how, uh, you know, K- Karen, you mentioned in your story that Love So Soft hasn't really succeeded in terms of as a pop single thus far. And I think that it probably won't because it doesn't it doesn't fit into what a Z100 top 40 station really sounds like at this moment. Although what I would say, and this is not to circle back to She Who Shall Not Be Named, but there's a reason why this song, to me, doesn't work on Kelly, but does work on She Who Will Not Be Named. Because She Who Will Not Be Named does not have a legacy to protect. She does not have a huge voice, and she is not basically obscuring a tremendous natural gift. Whereas, to me, this song serves to obscure an actual natural gift in service of a production idea that's not well-suited to the gift. All right. 
I mean, I'll, 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 I'll grant you, <laughs> you this point. Ka- I see Karen clenching. <laughs> well, like, I, I like the song. I concede that point. But I will also say another thing about the, the way the this, this song is performing. Because I did say to her, you know, like, this is not the sound of the radio right now. And she yeah. said, oh, yeah, totally. I know that. I mean, she really just doesn't seem to care. She's like, you know, sure. there are a lot of people who are concerned about keeping a certain level of career the, her, your whole life. She's like, that's just not a concern of mine. She's like, I even said to my husband, her manager, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I, I fully understand. I won't be playing the same size venues forever. I won't be putting out the same kind of record. She's like, I'm comfortable with that. And I know a lot of artists who aren't comfortable with that. But I am because I don't have my entire self-worth tied up with this. And I think she'll continue to have her slow burn, low key hits on these other sorts of, in these other formats. I think she will always have fans. She'll definitely always have fans, but I also think that making records along that other line, in that other vein, I also think extends, it it allows her to continue to play to huge rooms. Like, I think the sort of competition, because you can tell that the it's not the easiest fit with what's happening in the rest of the pop world. Yeah. But that's okay because I think she can actually, with her voice, exist in a space outside of that, a la Sam, a la Adele, yeah, yeah. and kind of invent her own. Well, category. Sam and Adele get played on the radio a lot. Yes, but not with radio songs. Like, not with, like, a song that, like, Dua Lipa makes, you know? Right. They do their own thing, and they're big enough that at this moment that they can continue to get in because they're, right. you know, they're youngish and, and newer and hotter than Kelly, who's at this point a, a veteran. But I think she could still have a similar lane. Like, that's because she's radio successful enough yes. in the last 10 years that you get a certain amount of kind of like, uh, you get a certain amount of rope to play with. Yes. And I think if she came with like a ballad in that vein or like a slow tempo, like something with a little tempo, not a lot of tempo, I think she could actually still find a place on like pop and adult contemporary radio. I'm, I'm sure this she, is turned into like a radio and record. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know that's. Uh, it's, but it's she's a radio. Question. She's yeah. a radio star. Yeah. She's doing a jingle ball. Maybe not the jingle ball, but a jingle one, ball. One jingle she's ball. She's still, you know, she's still relevant in that she's space. She's in that circuit. She's still yes. She's not an artist for whom pop radio has been unimportant. Right. And I think there are still ways for her to access it. Right. But again, like I don't think way. she made this record thinking. I hope it gets played on pop radio. I think she made this record thinking. These songs have been in my heart for years, and I really wanted to get them out. And she's extremely proud of the record, as she should be. It's very good. <laughs> Do you guys should all see the look that Karen just gave me when she said that? I re- that's a cool opinion. I really, and I really like Kelly's record. That's a cool opinion too. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we should just switch for one week, and you're the yeah. editor, and I'm the critic, and we'll just see what happens. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. So before we shift gears, let's explore. Some feeling with Kelly Clarkson. This is Move You. Like a symphony at sundown in the middle of July. When a lyric really gets you and it breaks you down inside. Like the home that you were raised in Like faded photographs Like the thrill of Christmas morning Yeah, I wanna move you like that
Okay, I would say, like, by contrast, mm-hmm. based on what we were just talking about, about songs sounding like they're ready for the radio in 2017, I think the Pink album, there's a lot of songs on there that do sound radio-ready. And a lot of that is because they sound like classic Pink songs, which we still hear on the radio all the time. Yeah, low-key, I like this Pink album. I wasn't expecting to. I'm not the hugest Pink fan. And I think, to your point, it does feel very engineered. It feels like extremely calibrated. Well, and I think that you see that, you know, if you're this kind of pop music listener, if you look in the credits, you see what that engineering is. You see her working with, you know, classic sort of at this point, classic pop songwriters like your Max Martins who do, you know, who have done her big singles for many years. But then you see her also dipping into the new class who are sort of defining the sound of now, which is, you know, your Jack Antonoff's and your Julia Julia Michaels and... The, you know, those types was, of... Was, was Tobias, you said Tobias? Tobias Jesso Jr. Which, he you know he which, did the ballad at the end with the with a crazy high note. Is that Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken or You Got My Love? You Got My Love. Yeah, yeah, the last song. Yeah, the yeah. last song on the album. Tobias Jesso wrote that and... Getting that yaper. And I, I can't even remember if I put this in the story or not, but it was a very telling moment for Pink who has bridged so many of these eras of mm-hmm. pop where she said, you know, the first time I met Tobias Jesso Jr. who, you know, put out an indie rock album a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, in his 20s. And he said, oh, I've met you before. I dated your friend's daughter. And Pink was like... Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and Pink was Scandal. like, first of all, you can't say that to someone. She was like, I should turn around and leave right now. Oh but I feel like that's telling for, you know, basically... Pink is the, uh, you know, a matriarch of, of pop at wow. this point. <laughs> wow, you really buried the T, Joe. <laughs> how really how old is Pink? Pink is 38, which, you And know, Kelly is 35. And Kelly's 35. So how they're many, from, they're coming from similar generations. Definitely. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, there's a quote in my Pink story where she says, you know, when she got ready to make this album, her, her label was like, uh, Pink, like, just so you know, they don't really play women over 35 on Top 40 radio. And, you know, and she... What Pink said was, you know, except except Beyonce, who, right. you know, hasn't really relied on radio for a while now. Yes. That's a, a separate Quiet. issue. Yeah. Uh, Quiet, a, a not often discussed thing. Right. Yeah. But but her but her point was, you know, they, there might be songs that that sneak in there from from women who are, quote unquote, old for pop, but they don't necessarily play an artist steady. Now, Pink might be an, an, an exception to that. And, and part of it is because I think and I think she was actually very astute in your interview to point out that she's never been the number one of any particular era. And I think that, yeah, she knows very well that that has ultimately saved her because you can only be at the top for so long. You mm-hmm. Either you burn out, people get sick of you. If you're ubiquitous, you know, it grates yeah. on people. People start to pick at you. You know, she and she said, you know, I was never as big as Britney. I was never a bit as big as Christina, you know, but didn't but get all the magazine covers. Didn't get the magazine covers, but you know, here here I am. She has consistently released music, even in the gap years between records. She mm-hmm. has like film soundtrack songs that have really just kept her ubiquitous. Like, there hasn't been a time in the past ten years where there hasn't been a pink song in circulation. Yeah, and I think that that's literally true. That since the year two thousand, when her debut album came out, like I think there's one year she didn't put out a single. And also, Joe, another thing that you talked about in your story is that. As recently as 2010, she was opening for Justin Timberlake. Oh, yeah. and she Which was, is kind of an insane that's thing. That's actually the first time I saw her at MSG. Really? And that was the first time I saw her high-flying uh, acrobatic silks. Right. And I mean, this 2010, yes, the internet existed, but it wasn't the internet that we know now. Yes. This was not widely known and widely seen. I saw, yeah, totally. Yeah. I saw this thing at Madison Square Garden and I was like, my jaw dropped. And I was like, what is happening right now? Side note. 
Kelly Clarkson mentioned this in her sort of tipsy speech, the radio programmers, and she was like, Pink, you know, she's doing this stuff. She's flying around. She's like, I love her. I can never do that. Then she joked, if I did want to like a girl, it would be Pink. She has been tweeting about the Pink record. Yeah, I think there's a real there kinship is, there's between these There's a real, these, uh, it's, it's real. real fondness. Yeah. yeah. I also think, in, in, in just to, to further that point a little bit, we'll talk about Kelly Clarkson's voice all day long. Like, it's sort of a, a universally agreed thing that she has a really incredible voice. Yes. I don't think Pink gets as much credit for having a really strong voice. Definitely not. Her voice does. is amazing. And I thought on this record, I thought she sounded really good. But yeah. I think the thing, you know, I'll, to go back to what you said about 2010, like, I think that's a turning point for her. She's, you know, her very first tour mm-hmm. when she was on LaFace Records and yes. she was making sort of R&B. Right. This is funny because Kelly, as you said, Kelly also started in this sort of pop R&B space. But, it was a different but era. But Pink was making actual R&B. Like Pink yes. was Pink was not making. She was in an R&B group. Yes. She was signed to LaFace as part of an yeah. R&B group. You know, she transitioned out of that mm-hmm. with her second album. And that sort of allowed her to take this position as like pop rebel where she, you know, there's the, the classic line where she says, you know, L.A., meaning L.A. Reid, told me you could be a pop star. All you have to change is everything you are. Mm-hmm. Should we, li- should we listen to some Pink from this era to sort of remind us? I was us? just about to pull up the discography. Yeah, can we play? Do you play just like a pill? I think that's a it's a it's an all time. Yeah, let's do it. Just right. like just like a pill. So, you know, Pink starts her career opening for NSYNC. You know, 10 years later, she's still opening for Justin Timberlake. And as Karen says, she starts to sort of do this this aerial gymnastics silk stunts that become, you know, her sort of trademark live move. And she starts to focus on ballads more, which, as John said, like, you know, these show, this shows off her voice more. And there's a, and not tender ballads, right. like brawny power. Right. Because she has a smoker's thing. voice. Yes. You know, she has a she has a, a an edge to it. And there's a Grammy performance that she did where she didn't play a single. She played a slow song. She did the thing in the air. And this is sort of everybody sort of remembers that she's soaking wet. She's she's belting and she was like that's when people sort of realized that I was a different sort of talent than maybe the TRL generation that I came up with Mm -hmm. and then she sort of doubled down on this and became a live act she's she tours and that's her main thing and her manager manages other acts who make their their living off of touring and she's basically pieced together this sustainable career by having radio singles and gradually bigger and bigger tours. And now, of course, she is headlining arenas. And, of course, her radio singles are 
extremely big. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. She's had a number of, it's strange to say that like a number one record can be sort of a low key record, but she's had at least two number one singles mm-hmm. in the last five mm-hmm. years, both of which to me feel like low key sleeper number ones. Yeah. And you probably wouldn't even put them in the top 10 pinks. If you're making no, a 10 track yes. greatest Wait, which hits, songs they're probably are we talking not about? We're talking about the Nate Ruiz song. Yep. Just uh, give me a just reason. Just give me a reason. Oh yeah. Um, and the other one raise is Raise Your Glass. Raise Your Glass. Love Raise Your Glass. You want to listen to Raise Your Glass? Let's do it. It's not really a song that does much for me, but it's number one song in the country. So uh, let's get it in. <laughs> so if you're too school for cool, I mean, and you treat it like a fool, you can choose to let it go. We can always, we can always party on our own. So raise your So in a weird way, Pink has had this strangely, like, she's been a pop star, but it's almost like a, I don't want to say a parallel universe pop star, but she's a pop star who has not made songs that are at the center of what we think of as the constant churn, stylistic churn of modern pop. Right. And I she has remained consistent in her lane. Strictly in terms of survival, she's been everywhere. She had a top 10 hit last year. Yeah. <laughs> last year, the year of, um, you know, Ray Trevor and like all these other stuff. Like she had a top 10 hit as recently as last year. Yeah. yeah. And well, I think and, we should think about both of their audiences for a second also, because I think both Pink and Kelly have very broad audiences that are men and women, young and old, yeah. gay and straight, like all over the place. And I think Pink, at least the perception I had, is that she has it's like a strong middle America kind of mom support system outside of, you know, 17-year-olds in the mall. Right. I think she's not, yeah, she's not really subject to flavor of the weakness. Yeah. Uh, she's sort of removed herself from that narrative. Right. right. But I think Kelly has too. <laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, and also, but but adding to that, it's strange to hear that argument when there is, I thought, a lot of really modern stuff on the new album. Sure. What, it, what in particular stick out to you? Let's listen to Secrets. What do we conceal? What do we reveal? decision every day what is wrong with me it's what's wrong with you there's just so much i want to say
John, I totally agree. Secret sounds like, you know, a, a record of now. It's sort of dancey, which is a different mode for Pink. But I would, I would totally disagree with you. I think the rest of the record does sound a little late 90s, 2010s mm-hmm. pop to me, which is not a dig. It's just I don't think it's as progressive as you're arguing. Yeah, I mean, progressive is maybe not the right term. <laughs> I mean, Pink is also, she's a strong presence. Like, all of her stuff has her in common in a big way. You know what I mean? Like even when she was doing R&B or when she was writing a record with Tim Armstrong from Rancid, like they didn't sound that different. Yeah. She, she has a, she has a way of, of making herself known no matter what kind of track it is. Which is another thing that I think that she and Kelly have in common. I agree. Because I feel like even on the sort of like least Kelly Clarkson-ish songs, she's still like, she's not like the voice hasn't gone. No, no. It hasn't been, like, sidelined. She's not submitting to the thing. Like, she still sings. Even like, if still, you think the songs might be cluttered, yes. you still know that You still Kelly know it's her. Yeah, yeah, you don't mistake it for something Here's a else. question, though. Outside of Sonics, I thought that the Kelly album is a leap in terms of, like, uh, lyrical content, sort of reflecting the maturity of where she is now. I was wondering, like, I, I, I have to admit, I haven't listened to the Pink album closely enough. Like, what is she talking about on the Pink record? She, you know, she said there was some... Politics in there. She said the current single "What, what about, about Us" is, is is sort of about being left behind by your government, and she was very you know candid about her feelings about Donald Trump and that she thinks it's you know horrible for the country and for her daughter and you know etc. You can decide for yourself if that's a political song or not. Otherwise, I think you know she's she has an up and down, on and off a relationship with her husband, uh, which has you know been a big part of her life, and I think a lot of the album is about sort of it's you know it's in the title beautiful trauma it's sort of like like getting through nasty parts there's lots of stuff about fights and punching the wall and drinking but then like still coming back together you know she's in mom mode she when i when i went to her house in in venice beach you know she was she was feeding her baby uh her little baby jameson then you know she has a i think a six-year-old who everybody saw at the mtv vmas when she gave her her speech about sort of beauty standards and giving her daughter a, a talk on androgyny when she said she felt ugly. And that's also, sort of her, yeah. her message right And it now. was interesting in your story, you, you underscore that that VMA speech was actually the second iteration of right. that speech that she'd written. Right, because she, she, was, she was there because she was getting the MTV Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award, which goes to... Music somebody video that they would icon, like to show which, up at the right. which yes. literally goes to somebody yeah. they'd like to show up, but shrug it, uh, like by you know by definition it goes to a video artist, and a lot of people didn't think of Pink necessarily as a video artist, and you know there had been rumors online that it was going to go to Christina Aguilera. This is before it was announced, who is a longtime Pink rival both because they came up at the same time and also because Christina Aguilera started using Linda Perry as a pop songwriter of Four Non Blondes after Pink brought her into the pop fold. So there was always a lot of bad blood there. So when it came out that it was Pink getting the award, there was backlash. uh, And, you know, she was sort of going back and forth with trolls on Twitter, another thing she has in common with Kelly, about whether or not she deserves it. They really should just make a buddy comment. They've got a lot going on. They really, I mean, but just I'm struck by the similarities (laughs) because Kelly also is a mother of two young children, although she's also the stepmother to a 10-year-old old and a 16 year old which is fascinating <laughs> yeah. yeah but also so, Pink did have at least one good video yeah get, has, the, get the party couple. started get the party started it's a great fire one. video yeah fire yeah. video but you know she was like her original point was that she was going to make she was going to give a speech basically being like you don't think I'm a good video artist and featuring you know, bad baby yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah standing up to all the haters 
And she, yeah, she was going to say, catch me outside, essentially. <laughs> and her, she read it to her husband and he was like, this is horrible. Like, you sound so bitter. Start over. And then she sort of came up with a, a viral moment. Right. She put that in the draft. Yeah. And, and I think she, you know, she came up with, with an appearance on TV that somehow was more effective than a lead single for her album. Why, why, I think totally just to get her back into the it, conversation. Why don't we listen to a bit of that speech? Yeah, let's play a little bit of the yeah. speech. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's do, do that. that. It's a rarity for Bobcast. Okay. So, baby girl... We don't change. We take the gravel in the shell and we make a pearl. And we help other people to change so that they can see more kinds of beauty. And to all the artists here, I'm so inspired by all of you. Thank you for being your true selves and for lighting the way for us. I'm so inspired by you guys. There's so much rad happening right now in music. And keep doing it, keep shining for the rest of us to see. And you, my darling girl, are beautiful, and I love you. Thank you, MTV. So, Joe, to your point, I think that was more effective than an actual lead single or her actual lead, even though What About Us is, like, a fairly successful song. But I think that announced Pink as a presence right. and on it, a scale and it announced her no in the could. way that people like her, which is, like, telling some truths, not being the most beautiful, you know, and again, to come back to her similarities with Kelly Clarkson, like, People, we have very similar secondary quotes in our stories where mm-hmm. people say, you know, fans like her because they feel like they, they're getting some real version of her. And whether or not they're authentic on a scale of, you know, noise music in Baltimore to Taylor Swift, like maybe not. But for the world that they live in. <laughs> what is the wait, scale? Which, wait, which, wait, which of those spectrums this, are authentic? Yeah. <laughs> Which is fair, a fair question. You know what I'm saying. She's yeah. not a punk, but for the for the world she I, lives I, but in, I think they're both very authentic yeah, for the to world who they, they live yes. for the world they live in. They're they're as real as it gets. Also, Kelly very similarly supported Hillary Clinton early on. <laughs> yes. Very uh, the last song on her record is called "How High," and it's uh, an homage to the Michelle Obama. You know, when they go low, we go high. Yes. So they're both very engaged, not afraid to be arguing with people on Twitter, not afraid to be going after people who are criticizing them. Kelly spoke a lot about rape culture and how she feels like adults in our world are setting terrible examples for her children and how difficult it is to be a parent right now. You know, I don't think she sings about that as much on this record, though. I think this record is more just sort of like a mature adult love album. Like, how do you keep your relationship fresh when you're married kind of a record, which definitely, I think, tilts towards the older adult contemporary vibe unlike, that you were picking up. Well, yes. Although, unlike Pink, who has Revenge, which is a duet with Eminem. Eminem. Let's listen to her a little bit yeah. of Revenge. Mm-hmm. We could do Revenge, 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 together, together, together. We could take Revenge, 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 Revenge is sweet. Oh. Beginning, we felt like we was meant to be. I fell for you and skinned my knee, but hell with any injury. Eventually, you'll get up gingerly. Feels like it'll take a century to heal, but just know that I will. But trying to make amends, I'd rather take revenge. Just taking safety pins inside my atrium. Your day begins at 8 p.m. You hit the ATM in my Mercedes Benz with all your lady friends. Hit the club and you go out, don't know a sum Cause when I calculate the times you cheated And I total up all the amounts It doesn't add up, cause you say that just giving out Your number doesn't count 
get it. Then see me with someone new, get mad and flip it. Look how bad you spin it. First you turn your back on me, then tell me that I stabbed you in it. 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 So when you're driving, driving to his house, and you pass me while I'm driving to hers, just remember you cheated on me first. You're a, you're a. This is war, fellas, ladies. We can do revenge. So here's Pink coming with these bars, really, really with the pointillist rhymes yeah. coming. Eminem has duetted with various female vocalists, but often there's um, kind of a, a tug of war between them in song. And and Pink actually has a sort of other approach, which is like toe to toe, right? Which is actually something that very few, I think, singers or pseudo rappers would attempt to do. I, I don't like love this song, but I think it's kind of like weirdly you respect effect- the gesture. Yeah, I kind of like weirdly effective in its own right. way. Right. So Pink, yeah. you know, she said she was just sort of messing around in the studio one day and joking with Max Martin that she wanted a rap Grammy, and she sort of Is that you her know, version of an ego, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and, uh, which which shows you how easy it is to get a rap Grammy because she's <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> John's not wait, gonna, the rap. We're gonna need a minute here. I'm for sorry. John. The, I'm sorry. The racial politics that are worse. I, <laughs> I agree, but she, you know, she she came up with this sort of jokey song about hating an ex and getting revenge on it and she was sort of like who who should I get to to who likes to rap about revenge and exes (laughs) (laughs) and she came up with the one name Marshall Mathers she also recorded a song for the forthcoming Eminem album we'll see if it makes it on there if they're gonna trade the alleged forthcoming the uh, alleged Alleged forthcoming forthcoming Marshall Marshall Mathers project this but you podcast know, this is, is about to get aggregated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she, you know, she has a she and Eminem have a weird kinship too because they're again like what I say t- the TRL generation. Mm-hmm. They came at the same time. They and they're, and they they're played the out- in the same sandbox. And they're like weirdly the outcasts of that generation. Yeah. You know, like they're not the Britney and Christina, right? Or even they're, the Justin Timberlake. Yeah, uh, Eminem who, was pretty popular. I mean, extremely popular. Yes, but with a sour face. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but they, always, always very. Mm. Yeah, you know they they're the they were the bad kids of yes of that, that I crew. would say yes. So, I would love to to finish by talking about this this rather exquisite moment between Pink and Eminem, but I feel like we can't close out this particular podcast without introducing a third figure into this conversation, and I think jumping off of the Pink rap song. Really, there's no other where to go but to Furry Town. Lions on moving, let the camera roll. Fast life moving, ain't no going slow. That's right, baby, you already know, you already know. Hope you're ready, ready, steady, steady, rockin'. Let it go, get far. I just can't hold back and forth, cause I'm the girl with soul. In control and effects, so what the heck? The disco tech is proof it's the next. Put my little noodle on a problem, then I drink about it. Drink a little, swig a little, sip a little, spill a little, feel a little loopy when I get a little tipsy. Bees got me feeling like a gypsy. Smoking on a hookah got me feeling like a hip fit. Trip it. Gone for a minute, if you miss me now. Fergie back with a bag full of Trixies. Why? Lines on move it. Let the camera roll. Fast life moving. Ain't no going slow. So that is you already know from the 
low-key fire question mark album from Fergie called Double Duchess, which came out a few weeks ago. We, we could have reviewed it if this Un- is how you felt, John. Unpopular opinion. <laughs> John's depo- hot take a couple Un- weeks late unpopular. for an album that nobody listened to. Unpopular opinion department. Shit, it was bad timing. It was bad timing. To be for fair, I was thinking of double reviewing it with the Macklemore record. I'll still read yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. I'll just set aside a couple hours to write that later this week. So this was, can we just point out, this was a visual album. Fergie made a double so, album. So I'm told. Yes. I have not seen any of the Joe visuals. and I saw some of the videos. I we thought they were the pretty high end. They're fun. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely high concept. Fergie, I think you can almost argue is from a similar generation of vocalists as Pink and Kelly Clarkson, but her path to to where she is has actually been very different. So Fergie didn't have a lot of success on her own before she became a member of Black Eyed Peas, and Black Eyed Peas is a very like savvily organized group importing a melodic singer into a hip hop group, uh, having a multiracial hip hop pop group, all of which were sort of moves that were probably four or five years ahead of their time and therefore largely chastised, especially by keep it real types Mm -hmm. like me and others. But it was a very savvy move. And Fergie comes to prominence and then her kind of subsequent solo career ends up being this kind of crypto JJ fad rap thing that I think is... You know, we talked a lot about authenticity with Pink and Kelly Clarkson. I don't know what Fergie's doing. There are probably like five songs on Double Duchess that are basically like 1987 rap songs. And then there's the Rick Ross song, which is like basically an ASAP mob song. Like, <laughs> which doesn't need Rick Ross on it. Yeah, definitely yeah. doesn't need, I mean, but I vexingly, but you're saying you like this I record. vexingly kind of enjoy these records. Fergie is so sort of disconnected from like any traditional ideas of kind of like what a singer who raps or someone who raps and sings is supposed to sound like that I think she kind of carves out unusual territory that kind of no one else who's preoccupied with what you're supposed to do would actually volunteer to step into. So maybe since nobody's listening to this Fergie album, as far as I can tell, she can just reinvent as an underground experimentalist rapper. That sounds like, I mean, wood cop, (laughs) TBH. You know, you're just, you're, you're striking a, you're, you're jogging my memory here about a piece you wrote about a young lady who was a white rapper her name was Kesha. <laughs> oh, because I wow. went to the Kesha show a week or two ago, and I was struck by because her her new record is a lot of big white person singing, which is sort of the topic of today's <laughs> podcast, and not so much rapping, which was what we kind of thought she was. I mean, when yes. you wrote the initial piece on her, it was as a rapper. She really didn't do any of her rappy songs at the show. It was all just like these big throated ballads. This is a moment now for our big voiced white ladies to step up. <laughs> And, and spit bars. Yes. And Fergie gets yeah. left by. And spit yeah. bars. No, I'm Fergie. telling you, I, I got to be honest, of these three records, it's Double Duchess all day for me. Should we go out with a, I'm sorry. We, we can't let that a, go. That's <laughs> some crazy stuff. I, I still think we're going to close with another banger. Like I said, you're the music critic. Oh, oh. man. Let's close out with MILF Money. I'm, I'm editing this podcast. <laughs> you got that.
Well, I can definitely retire from podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a mic to drop, he yes, would do it. That's true. Thanks for joining us on Popcast this week, and thanks for riding from the very beginning with Kelly to the very end with Fergie with Detours Through Pink. Thanks to my mostly accommodating but still a little frictive guests, Karen Gans and Joe Coscarelli. You can listen to every Popcast ever, including ones that are, have more agreement than this one, at nytimes.com slash Popcast. I actually would like to know, we did this once before, and it was a successful experiment. Let's do it again. Kelly, Pink, and Fergie. I want you to rank those three albums. We have to wait a couple days because I know Kelly's not out. But when that happens, Kelly, Pink, Fergie, I would like to get the rankings In that emailed. order. That's correct. Thank you. <laughs> and that is the order in which we discuss them. That is accurate. <laughs> I would like to see emails at popcast.nytimes.com. And then on a later episode, we will reveal the results. We'll do that on the Ashley Simpson cast. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, that can be a bonus content yeah. on the Ashley Simpson cast. You should subscribe to the podcast for quality content like this at Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get that fire audio content. Our producer, who's been very patient this week, is Pedro Rosado of Headstepper Media, and we will be back next week. Now let me see you milkshake. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.